the Mongrel Podcast, number six for 2021, and I believe we're number three in Cambodia at the moment. Mrs. Mongrel, number three in Cambodia. It's pretty good. No, it's not as good as two or one. I don't know what they're listening to over there, but Cambodians... <laughs> like, what do we have to beat? Cambodians, <laughs> you're not doing us justice. If you're downloading us once, download us twice. I reckon that way we'll get to number one in Cambodia again. This will be our third reign as number one in Cambodia. They love their in AFL sports. football there. In sports news. Sports news. Yeah. Didn't put ourselves in sports. <laughs> Just sports news. We were putting sports news. It's like how um, how Facebook considered us as a news site when we uh, were shut down. I'm kind of convinced that it's just like one person who's accidentally downloading us and just Forg- Katie. That's it. That's our two listeners. Well, she's, she's got a VPN and it's from Cambodia. <laughs> she might. Well, well, it could, could happen. Stranger things have happened. Although, mm. uh, you know, I, I think AFL football, obviously a huge sport in Cambodia. You often hear about the young stars emerging from that area of the world, don't you? Do I? Well, you, I don't hear a lot these days. You keep tabs and all that sort of stuff. I know oh, you. God. You're looking at numbers, you're crunching figures, you're number, numbering figures and crunching other stuff. <laughs> you're crunching granola. There's a lot of things you do mm. that I'm unaware of. But uh, we should probably... How's your week been, Mrs. Mungrel? It's been a very long week. It's Tuesday. <laughs> this is the worst week. I'm hating it. Really? That good? That yeah. good already? So we're, we're in the midst of another uh, COVID outbreak in Melbourne. We are. Uh, happy days. I'm working from home now. That's what I mean. Happy. I'm on long service and Mrs. Mungrel's working from home. This is disastrous. Read into that what you will, guys. But, um, Hang on. What am I reading into? I don't know. You just said it was a disaster. <laughs> Actually, now I've changed my mind. So, uh, what yes. have you got planned? What have I got planned? I. It's not a public thing to talk about in a public <laughs> forum. But um, we're already... Work time. Someone said we're softcore porn already. <laughs> But uh, look, we'll, yeah. uh, this will all work That's out just fine. How I roll. This will all work out fine, guys. I promise. So we had a big weekend of football, an absolute cracker of a weekend, actually. I got stuck doing the games that were absolute blowouts and terrible, so I got to watch uh, the the Saints. I don't think I'm going to watch the Saints again for the rest of the year. Wow, they were horrible, and they just looked like they had no idea and no chance. What do you say about that? That's me. <laughs> have I... you been secretly I advising have no idea them? And no chance. <laughs> have you been advising St Kilda on game style? No, it there would be a lot. It. Look, there would be a lot of on-field incidents as if that was what was going on. I also got to watch Port Adelaide and Collingwood, and review that one as well, which was scrappy and horrible for basically the whole game. And then I flipped over and had to do North Melbourne and Essendon. And Essendon just absolutely crushed North Melbourne. And I'm thinking, well, I couldn't get, you know, Tex Walker winning the game for Adelaide or anything like that. I couldn't get any of the other good games. I got the crap games this week. And that's it. I'm done with St Kilda. I'm sick of their insipid performances. And I'll be concentrating on some other teams. That's a bit hurtful. Well, someone will have to cover the St Kilda games. It just won't be me for a few weeks unless they start lifting their game. I have a new favourite rider then. I have uh, the top five players for round 10. And I've picked the, the people who I thought had the most influence on the games that I saw. And I did catch up on the other games that I didn't watch. 
I watch, you know, on, on delay. So a little bit of watching and then fast forwarding all the between goals, fast forwarding the quarter time breaks. So all those advertisers that are paying a lot of money for those AFL ads during goals, I don't watch any of your stuff. I just fast forward straight through it. Anyway, and the ones who sponsor the teams. Yes, like uh, all over those pedigree. Pedigree sponsors the Western Bulldogs, and also Mission Mission Tacos. tacos. Delicious. Who sponsors Hawthorne? Great question. Is it a bank? Maybe Tasmania, oh, the state yeah. of Tasmania. No, thanks. Who I'm sponsors? Right. Here's a couple for you, because I actually don't know. What? Who sponsors Collingwood? Collingwood. Dentists. Probably dentists. Yeah, dentists would would sponsor Collingwood. Actually. The Collingwood supporters I know have immaculate teeth. I only know one. He's got good teeth. Fine. He grinds them. <laughs> he sleep. He has to wear a mouth guard. <laughs> Some people wear a mouth guard when they play sport. He wears a mouth guard when he sleeps. Stop the trauma. Yeah, there you go. So, number five. Mm. Zach Merritt of Essendon. I know you don't like Essendon. And I know that there were other players who had better results in that game over the course of the game. That he had 21 touches in the first half. He finished with 31 for the game. And he had three direct goal assists and 11 score involvements. I thought he was the catalyst for them setting up a big lead. They were 50 points up at halftime. Went on to win by a lot more than 50 points. But I thought his ball use and the way he ran just completely outran everyone else in the team. He'd give a handball off and run past two opponents to get to the next play. And I'm like, that's why you're getting killed, North Melbourne, because you're allowing this guy to run past you and be involved in two plays at once while you just kind of stand in no man's ground between both the, both the contests. So here's my number five. Number four, a bloke called Jordan Dawson. Now, you were doing the stats and you said, oh, Jordan Dawson had a good, good week. That, <laughs> that did sound a little bit like me, I guess. Yes, and I was thinking, what are you talking about? Then I saw you were doing the statistics and I thought yes he did he had 17 rebound 50s which is ridiculous it's a number I haven't really seen for for quite a while it could be the one of the what's top... a rebound 50 so you know how they have those 50 meter arcs so he's getting the ball in defense and taking the ball outside that oh right okay. so it's I'm getting the ball in defense I'm taking this out of defense and I'm starting an attack with it either that or he's bailing them out so deep in defense they get stuck and he's the one kicking it out of the danger zone. But he also had 10, 10 intercepts as well and 9 one percenters, which are spo- spoils. Spoils, I said. <laughs> Just in case anyone was wondering. Now, he was one one percenter away from obviously having 10, which would have given him double figures in all three categories. Only one player in history has done that, and that was Robbie Tarrant two years ago against Essendon. Amazingly, in another losing side, and we've kind of coined that on the side of, as being a defensive triple-double. And there's only one player that's done it. And Jordan Dawson, very, very close to becoming the second. But, you know, close, not, not, good, not enough. good enough. That's why you're at number four, buddy. Poor Jordan. Number three, puppy dog eyes, Joel Selwood. Oh, I do like him. Now, Dangerfield's out, still hurt, or making his way back through the reserves, whatever he's doing. You've got Cam Guthrie, who got hurt during the game. Mitch Duncan, who was knocked out in a tackle, which we'll talk about a bit later on. And Joel Selwood, you know, 32 years old. People think, oh, he's a bit past it. He's not at his best anymore. Just goes out and racks up the lazy 39 disposals, 7 tackles, 10 clearances, and puts the side on his back. Yeah, they were 
only playing Gold Coast. People say, oh, it's only Gold Coast and it was played in Geelong. Someone still has to do the work. Joel Selwood did plenty of it. Cracked in really, really hard. 17 contested disposals and best on ground, according to our reviewers. So, fantastic job for him. Your mate... Clayton Oliver. Oh, I do like him a lot. Yes. He had close to the perfect midfield game. Close to the perfect midfield game. Because they lost. If They lost. Yeah. So he had a really, really great game in a loss. He had 38 touches, kicked three goals, had 27 contested possessions. Now, you know what that is, right? You know, if you're just running past and someone gives you a handball and you run along with the ball. It happens all the time. That's uncontested. Well, I'm always handballing your <laughs> stuff to do, but I don't contest it. So, contested is when you actually have a direct opponent and you beat them for the ball, or you get the ball and you kind of get tackled and you handball it off or something. 27 times he got the ball in that way. He also had 14 clearances, 11 score involvements, 9 tackles, pretty poor that he couldn't get 10, uh, and also 8 intercepts, which is the kind of number Wait, that... Wait, that's when you literally intercept the so, ball between the other team. Yeah, like, when the other team yeah. kicks it and you just take it. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing that a defender would usually have. You know, probably seven to up to one guy had seventeen on the weekend. So, you know, that that's their realm. And here's Clayton Oliver playing midfield, getting it eight times that way as well. So he did everything except win. Number one player for the week, Marcus Bontempelli, just re-signed with the dogs today. I think four year extension, which uh was always going to happen. He's the captain of the club. He wasn't going anywhere. But just makes you know, everyone breathe a bit easier because he was out of contract after this year. 26 disposals. He had 24 of those touches in the forward half of the ground. So every time he got it, he wasn't going backwards. He wasn't running behind the ball to get cheap cheap kicks. He was getting going forward. He had 797 metres gained, eight inside 50s, and kicked four goals three. He should have kicked six, maybe even seven. And from the midfield, that's ridiculous. That's almost Lee Matthews' kind of numbers. And you can look up who Lee Matthews is later on, if you like. He has some kind of vicious nickname, doesn't he? Lethal. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, so what do you think about those five? <laughs> look, honestly, where's Tex? That's what I want to know. Because you hmm. said he won the game against the Demons. Well, his team won the game. No, he won it. That's what I heard. Well, he Doesn't did well. not matter if that's what you said. He kicked, <laughs> he kicked two of the last three goals. And I think he had a hand in the other other one as well. So he played good football when it counted. And he's probably a little bit unlucky not to be in the top five. He'd be in my top ten. Pretty good. That would have been an exciting game. Petrarca. would have been great. I would have loved to Tex, have... Oliver. Oliver. Joe. Who's Joe? Oh, some guy in the crowd, but he was very excited. Get rid of him. Very excited by the goings-on. Any other people you want to throw out there? Because, you know, you... You can just throw it whoever you like. I know that Darcy Parrish had 36 touches and 11 clearances, and I just wonder why. Firstly, what team does he play for? <laughs> and secondly... <laughs> Who's feeding you this information, for starters? I have sources. I don't need to tell you about the people I talk to. So, someone has contacted you. We don't need to talk about this. And, and started talking up the... Please respect my journalistic integrity. You yeah. write two columns for us a year. <laughs> One's about the Brownlow, and one of them's about what we're eating on grand final day. Yeah, I made some great pies last time. Darcy Parrish, you said? Mm. I thought that he had plenty of the ball in the second half, was really good in the first half, but the first half is when the game was won. 
And I think Merritt was better than him in the first half and did more damage. Zach Merritt. Zach Merritt. So that means we're talking about Essendon. We are. Look at me go. Look at you. What colour are they? Red and black. Oh, look at you. This is like three for three. Mm. Got Darcy Parrish's name right. Found out he played for Essendon and knew what colour they were. Incredible. Can we move on or do you have more that you wanted to uh, throw at me? Jake Lever had 17 intercepts for the game. I don't care about that. Do I? No. Who's Jake Lever and what team does he play for? <laughs> Who's feeding you information? I'm not talking about it. Jake Lever had a massive game. Again, uh, similar to Clayton Oliver, didn't get him over the hump. So could he have affected the last five minutes when Tex went a bit nuts? He plays defence, Tex plays forward. Where was Jake Lever when that was happening? You can't play everything except for the last five minutes then expect to make my top five that just doesn't happen sorry jakey boy now i know nat five kicked the winning goal i know this one he did yeah so does he want a medal or well tex didn't he's already got a couple does tex have any tex doesn't have any medals Uh but he (laughs) was a captain for a while so Mm. nat five very very good after halftime i thought First half, a bit iffy. We're still kicking the ball like it was made of concrete. And that would hurt quite a lot if you tried to do that. But second half, put put Frio on his back. I think he had double figures in clearances as well. So, you know, he, he was doing the grunt work and kicked the winning goal. So, you know, you would put him... He, he'd, he'd be close to being top five. He'd probably be sixth this week. All right, there you go. You happy with that? Yeah. If anybody has any favourite players they'd like us to discuss, you can just hop on Facebook and um... look up Mrs. Mungrel. Apparently, no, and... don't don't talk to me directly. God. But you need a... <laughs> just just tag HB, tag the Mungrel punt, and um, you can. Look, she does read your comments, guys. So uh, if you forward some handsome young fella for me to ogle, do some oh. research about. <laughs> so we're waiting at the moment. I want to keep my phone on during this during this podcast because I want to know whether this Nick Holman from the Gold Coast Suns is going to be suspended and whether his appeal to the tribunal is going to be upheld or dismissed. But we're going to get back to that later on because nothing's come through yet and I'm going to feel a bit silly if we're talking about it and while we're talking about it, a decision comes through and we've already covered it. Chances are it might happen anyway, but... We might move on to some things that over the past few years we've been right or wrong about. And it's on the heels of a couple of things happening in the last few weeks where I thought, oh, shit, I was pretty wrong on that one. Or, hey, I finally got something right. <laughs> um, so I'll go first if you like. And I'm not sure how many you have because you, as far as I know, you're just never wrong. Correct. See, I was Car- Carry on. But a fair while ago, I was having a discussion with someone around the merits of Dustin Martin. Now, oh. now we're going back. This is pre. Oh, no. This is pre two thousand seventeen. This is about two thousand fourteen, thirteen ish. And at the time, Dusty was coming out and having these huge first halves, picking up twenty touches, twenty one touches. Then he just go away in the second half and have like two touches. He finished with 23, 24, 25 touches and really kind of just fall away. 
So, uh, you know, me watching and being an astute observer at the time made the bold statement that Dustin Martin doesn't have the tank to play midfield and will never be a midfielder. How'd that go for you? So a Brownlow medal and three Norm Smith medals <laughs> later. later um, feeling I might have been just a little bit wrong on that bit one. bit hasty? Yeah, look, I might have jumped the gun slightly on that one. However, this weekend just gone, I had a win. So when Carlton picked up Zach Williams, everyone was talking about how he's going to be, oh, the guy that gets in there and cracks in. He's going to be the help that Patrick Cripps needs. He's the midfielder we need. The bloke had been playing half-back for the last however many years at GWS. He got a brief run in the middle, and I came out and said, look, he is going to play half-back. He's going to play his best football at half-back for Carlton. He needs to be supremely fit to play in the midfield. It's not his natural state of being. He had one season where he was a lot fitter than all the others, and they threw him into the middle for about seven or eight games, and he played well. Last year at GWS, he played half-back for the whole year, didn't look really fit. This year he looked even less fit. Lo and behold, he's gone back into defense and had his best game. So I'm like, well, I actually saw something coming for a change. And I just want to hang on. I'm just reaching back here. Oh, my God. Bit of a pat on the back for me for predicting something right for a change. I've got one. You've got one? Yeah. All right, go for it. 2017 when we started the mongrel punt. Yep. I thought AFL's a bit of a flash in the pan, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think anybody watches it. Only been around for a hundred and something years. Not a lot happens. I don't think this will go for too long. There you go. A couple of years later, turns out it's a national thing. Lots of people like it. There's more than five or six teams. There is. There has been for quite a while. It's pretty... um, You've learned five or six teams. At least. And their sponsors. Well, we've learned a couple of sponsors. A couple of their players. We'll speculate on a few other sponsors, but... Mm. That's pretty impressive. Um, I was wrong about Luke Hodge going to Brisbane. Oh, that made you sad, didn't it? It made me sad initially, and part of me was hoping he wouldn't go well. I was like, oh, look, you know, Hodge, he's getting old. He's going to slot into the half-back line. He's going to get angry. He's going to snot someone. Because at the time, Brisbane weren't performing well. They were coming off a bottom four finish. And I thought, he's not going to enjoy this. He's not going to enjoy going up there, being beaten all the time. And just cop it on the chin. It's not his nature. And he went up there and he played really good football and the team improved incredibly quickly to the point where they played finals. And I'm like, damn it. Completely wrong on that one. I thought Hodge would get suspended in his first season and spend six weeks on the on the sidelines for knocking someone's head off in frustration. And he just didn't. And he kind of taught and you know brought kids along and played a really important role for them, particularly in finals. And then stepped away. Oh, that's and I'm so like, nice. Damn it. Really, really wrong on that. But I was, at the same time, I was pretty happy for Hodgie. So. Okay, yeah. I've got one. You got one? Yeah. Go. Tom Mitchell was supposed to win the Brownlow again. Yes. And I don't know what happened there. Everything just went a bit wrong. And his in leg, the end, he, he didn't get any votes. What his leg hell? snapped in half in the preseason. Completely in half. Like almost. Like that redheaded fellow who was supposed to win last year. Matt Rowell? Yeah. That was his shoulder. <laughs> didn't snap his shoulder in half. I don't know how body parts work. Maybe he uh, did. No, he walked around in his hands a lot, so I can see the confusion. Uh, Poor no. man. Tom it's Mitchell. Terrible. Tom, I'll touch on Tom Mitchell for a second, actually, now that you mentioned him. So he 
had the the kind of break that can end a career. So across your shin, both bones completely snapped. So floppy leg. If oh, you Jesus. yeah, that sort of that sort of um injury. So that to insert pins and stuff. He basically had to learn to run again, all that sort of stuff. So to come back, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, right? So I think he's leading the league in possessions at the moment. So a couple of years removed from that, I think he's number one in the league in disposals. And I keep hearing this narrative from people that Tom Mitchell's possessions don't hurt people. Like, oh, they don't hurt. His possessions don't hurt. And I'm like, I think people just jump on that bandwagon and spout it just for the sake of it. So this week just gone, we had Jack McRae, who you would know from our stats, and he's constantly at the top. So you had him, and he got zero coaches' votes. He was by far the, the highest possession winner on the ground. He had 41 touches. Usually if you get 40-plus, you're guaranteed a vote. Jack McRae got none from the coaches, which would have surprised plenty of people. Tom Mitchell had 44, and he ended up getting three from the coaches, which is not you know as good as what he was doing in 2018. But still, for a guy who came back from a completely snapped leg, he's doing amazing things for Hawthorne, and... I don't think he gets anywhere near enough credit and the cool kids are all on board going, oh, his, his disposals don't hurt. And it's like they read it on a bathroom wall or something and they're like, oh, that's profound. You know? God, oh. bathroom wall at uni. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's where you learn all the good stuff. <laughs> a, lot of phone, a lot of phone numbers jotted down over the years. <laughs> all right. Uh, my turn. There's a bloke called Jared Lyons who is absolutely tearing it up for Brisbane at the moment in the absence of Lockie Neal. And I was very much in the camp of, let's wait and see how this guy goes. So what happened was trade period finished. And after trade period, Gold Coast decided, we're going to let you go. They didn't attempt to trade him. They didn't entertain offers. They just waited it out and then just let him go. They cut him from their list. So he traveled the you know, 50Ks, wherever it is, down to the, um, up to Brisbane, and signed with them for nothing. Now, he'd be close to leading their best and fairest at the moment, and is playing incredible, incredible football. He's a really good inside player, really good tackler. And I thought that, look, he was at Adelaide first, went to Gold Coast, they just let him go. Something struck me as not being right. I mean, you don't just let a player with that sort of talent go unless there's something really wrong that you're aware of. And Brisbane kind of welcomed him with open arms. He's playing great football, and nothing's gone wrong. And I'm like, maybe Gold Coast just screwed up. Maybe I was wrong. Probably not. No, <laughs> no probably right. I, I probably was completely wrong on that one. And maybe it was just a mutual parting of the ways. But at the time, it struck me as something a little bit strange. You got any more? No, I've been right about everything else. That's true. You're, you're quite profound in that regard. You're an oracle, really. I've got two more, I think. Anyway, I thought... I mentioned about two years ago, I made a little graph for the, for the webpage or for um, you know, Facebook or whatever it was. And I had from each team their, their top five players of the last you know, 20, 30 years. And in the Melbourne one, I had Clayton Oliver. And a lot of people jumped on there and said, why do you have him there? Why have you got him on there? And I, I answered about five or six comments and said, he's going to be one of your best players of all time. 
Look at what he's doing at age, what he would have been 20 at the time. Look at what he's doing. Look at his numbers. You can't deny how well he's going for a kid. So he's come out on the weekend and absolutely smashed it with the game we spoke about before. He's one of only four players, three players in history, to have 400 contested possessions in a season. And he's still a relative baby in AFL he terms. He is. He's a cutie pie. He's so small. And I think by the time he's all, that's all said and done with him, I think he's got two best and fairests already. He's going to have like four or five best and fairests at Melbourne and be one of their most decorated players ever. And I'm happy for people to come back in about six or seven years and go to me, you were wrong if I'm wrong. But he just looks like he's got the complete package. So before we continue, I've just quickly flipped the phone on then while you were typing something. And read that Nick Holman of Gold Coast is pleading not guilty after being charged with a dangerous tackle. So that means they have to give evidence and all that sort of stuff now. And he will have an outcome probably in the next hour. So we're probably going to miss it anyway. We might get to that next. All right, so another one I was wrong about, there's been a few, is my old friend Orazio Fantasia. Oh, God. So I predicted at the start of this season, mind you, the season is not over. We must be very particular about this because I might still be right at some stage. But I believed that Orazio Fantasia, given his attitude lessened and his application, or lack thereof, over the previous two years would play in the South Australian National Football League during this season. Just demoted. I thought he wouldn't make the power squad because he was acting like a bit of a knob at Essendon. Mm. Now, he's come out, he's been their most effective small forward. (laughs) And if not for being injured in the last couple of weeks, he'd probably be knocking on the door of the All-Australian side. And I'm happy to say... Completely wrong on that one. However, there's a little bit of time left in the season for this to actually come true, and a little bit of an attitude problem may see it happen. Maybe he just needed some, you know, nice friends around. And Well, he was from South Australia initially. There you go. So he got to go home, and it looks like he's absolutely... Found some like people. and Yeah, he's relishing the opportunity. So the old HB might have been a little bit... uh, Left of centre there, just missing the target. So, I'd like to butt in with a little something here, because while you were talking, I just kept hearing the same words over and over. And I just want you to know, I think I've got a title for my sexy AFL ghost story. Are you ready? Oh, it's just your fanfic. Yeah. No, it's got ghosts in it now. (laughs) Righto. Off you go. (laughs) Tackles, touches and possessions. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you could work demonic in there as well and have it based at Melbourne. Oh, hello. Look at this. Finding the Saints. Yes. There you go. It's all coming together for you. It is all coming together. Nice segue, by the way. Thanks. Just butting in and completely taking it off track. Wasn't a segue at all. The most important (laughs) part of this podcast, my new ghost story. I was right about something else. What? The Bont is going to be better than Crips. So a couple of years ago, all the talk was about Patrick Cripps being better, Patrick Cripps being the man, Patrick Cripps being the guy who carries Carlton. Oh, I remember this. You were getting really into how Bont's actually quite good. And mm-hmm. And Bont yeah. was carrying a few injuries, and I'm like, ah, he adds so, so much to the Bulldogs when he's fit. Because unlike Cripps, Bont provides run, carry, and long, long penetrating kicking. So when he gets the ball, he gives the forwards their 
their eyes light up. They're like, okay, it's coming in now. It's coming in quick. So when Cripps gets it, he's, he occasionally does that, but he's more fan the ball out to someone else, which makes it a bit of a slower process. He goes in and wins the ball at, at ground level, you know, just shrugs a couple of tackles or tries to run through a pack and then handballs off to someone else. It doesn't get the ball in quick. When Bont gets it and goes... He makes the Bulldogs so much better. I have no idea why they're not playing someone on him tightly every week. But people aren't doing it. Sticking with the Bulldogs, I was very wrong on this one. I think, I thought anyway, that Caleb Daniel How dare you. should be a complete defensive liability. How dare you I speak thought it, badly about him or think badly about him. I saw it happen a couple of times. A couple of teams have been intelligent enough to manufacture one-on-one contests with him on a taller opponent, which is basically anyone in the league, and he's been outmarked. Now, you've got to give credit to the Western Bulldogs here because they play a structure that, that stops that from happening. So someone else will come across and help. Someone will be not too far away. They don't leave him isolated. I'd say it happens once every three games now, and that's incredible when you consider considering his you know, two hours of footy played every game. Once every six hours, he gets isolated. So they're obviously aware of it. They're doing well to protect him. And yeah, they've uh, completely shot my theory out of the water until it happens again in a big game. And then I'll say, told ya. (laughs) (laughs) Last one. Another one of our friends at the podcast, Hugh Greenwood. Oh, we like the Hughes. Okay, go ahead. Said that he would be the recruit of the year in 2020, given the way he plays and what Gold Coast were lacking. So he's gone up there. Oh, we're getting the dulcet tones of rain outside. Well, that'd be lovely if we were podcasting. <laughs> well, look, maybe some people like this. They might want to go to sleep. Oh, all right. Shall we continue? We shall. All right. Hopefully it doesn't get heavier and our roof doesn't leak again. Oh, God. That'd be great. So Hugh Greenwood went up to Gold Coast. They were lacking inside toughness. So they had good young players who were always going to be really, really good young players. And what they needed was someone in the middle who was just going to do the grunt work. And Hugh Greenwood got in there and started grunting around everywhere. He leads the league in tackles again this season after doing it last year. And I think he had something like 17 tackles this week just gone. It was a ridiculous. Maybe, maybe maybe it was fifteen or something. I don't have it written down. Obviously, the Suns aren't playing the sort of football that he would like, but you can't fault his endeavour at all. He's been wonderful for those guys and has added so much to that team in terms of their toughness. So, recruited a year, spot on with that one. So, before we get onto Nick Holman's tackle, which I just checked the phone again and. They're deliberating at the moment with the AFL insisting that there was a slinging action or a second action to drive to drive Mitch Duncan into the ground. And they're seeing things that I, I don't see when I look at the tackle. I just want to touch on a couple of the stats Everests we have here at, at the Mongrel Punt. We, we, we spoke about one earlier in the podcast, which was Robbie Tarrant racking up double figures in rebounds, intercepts, and spoils in one game. So we keep stats of... Uh, Defensive double-doubles for players. And over the weekend, obviously, Jordan Dawson got one and Harris Andrews got one as well. Uh, That's double figures in two of those categories. So Harris Andrews now moves to nine altogether. And 
that puts him in third all-time in defensive double-doubles. Behind Alex Rance, who retired a couple of years ago, he has 19. Then you have Phil Davis, who was the Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast GWS captain. He's man got bun. Man bun, yeah, and a beard. It's mm. very Brunswickian it of him. He's got 12. Daniel Talia, who's been injured all season at Adelaide. He's got nine, and people forget how good he was, but he's got nine of them as well. Harris Andrews is now equal with Daniel Talia on nine, ten behind Rance. But given his form and the way he controls the footy, you can see him leading that defensive category by the time he's all all finished. So he's 24, I think, Harris Andrews. Surprised you didn't ask, because that was kind of your thing for a while there. How old is he? How old is he? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. But he is the the heir apparent to that one. And in, in probably the next three or four years, he should be right up there challenging Rance for that 19 all-time mark. The other one we've got here, and this has been something that was written for us in our first year of publication, and it was the 50-100 club. So 50 goals in a season, 100 tackles in a season. No one has ever done it. Yet in 2018, Luke Bruce kicked 54 goals and got 99 tackles. In the last game of the season, he had a couple of tackles only. And had he got one more, he'd be the only player in history to do that. Uh, no one is near it this year. No one is anywhere near kicking 50 How goals. How do you know you counted right? Because I'm using the official stats. Yeah, I don't know. Why have you got your eyes closed? I'm pretty tired. <laughs> Anyway, so there are a couple of the stats categories we do. The 5100 Club, still no members. But Luke Bruce is like a... He's like an honorary doctorate from our, from Mungrel University for getting so close. Doesn't do him any good. He's got a nice little thing to hang on the wall, but it really means Jack. Yeah. <laughs> like all our other <laughs> accolades. Yes, and any other honorary doctorates out there? Guys, you got to actually do something to get him. You don't just get one for nothing. Jeez, please. I read that um, I read that John Bon Jovi got one from some music academy, <laughs> honorary doctorate in music. I'm sure he appreciated it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I knew I deserved this. All those tight oh jeans and hairsprays really paid off. So it doesn't look like we're, like we're going to get to the bottom of the Nick Holman case by the time we finish recording. So we should probably just jot down our thoughts on it because. When I say jot them down, I've already jotted them down. We should probably talk about them. This well, is you, the you showed it to me. I showed it you was this a tackle. Ta- it was a tackle, perfect rundown tackle from behind. You okay? I'm fine. You sure? Tackles from behind, I'm perfectly fine and composed. Right. What about a perfect tackle from behind? Don't 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 start me off, okay? Don't tempt fate. I've already laughed and wrecked about ten minutes of this podcast. Why stop there? <laughs> so, Nick Holman chased down. First of all, I just want to point out that Sean Higgins, Mitch Duncan's teammate, laid one of the most pathetic half-assed shepherds. Shepherds when you put yourself in between the tackler and the guy who's got the ball right, to protect him. Sean Higgins put in one of the weakest efforts to try and stop Nick Holman from getting to Duncan. And he should... he In fact, he almost caused this to happen. Had he done his job properly and actually blocked Holman off... Even slightly. We're not talking about this because Duncan gets his kick away and nothing happens. Also, wasn't it just a tackle, like a regular tackle? 
it was and a, now they're upset. It looked like a perfect tackle. One guy on our site was basically saying, this is the sort of tackle I would show my, my kid as to how to tackle someone, how to drag someone down. And all of a sudden, the guy's hit with a two-week suspension. Now, they're obviously in there challenging that at the moment, and I hope to God he gets, gets off on this, because if he doesn't, it's a real game-changer. Lee Matthews, lethal Lee Matthews, mm. came out and said, if he doesn't get off, this is... We have to basically assess the way people are being tackled now, and the onus will always be on the tackler to make sure that no harm comes to the person you're tackling. So you've almost got to cuddle them, and that's about it. Look. From behind. I was going to say, I love cuddles. Yeah, well, take what you can get. <laughs> but also, this is a contact sport without helmets. I mean, you assume a certain level of risk when you play. You would hope so. So it's not often I completely agree with Jared Waitley, because I kind of find him to be... Oh, I find him to be annoying to the point of almost whining. Yes, he mm. kind of whines about things. But he made some really good points. He's basically said he's pinned one arm. So Mitch Duncan actually had an arm free had he been able to get it up and protect himself. The arm up. Not, not had he been able to get it up. I just was Had he been able to get his then. arm up to protect himself, he could have. That would have meant he would have you know, basically lost control of the ball, though. There was no sling tackle, so he didn't throw him and slam him into the ground ground. yep there was no second motion even though the afl are saying on the live blog i'm reading at the moment that there was a second motion they must be watching a completely different set of vision than i am because it looked really really fluent if they're slowing it down to you know hundreds of a second then you can point at anything but in the context of real time there's no way you can say there was two actions he dived and dragged him down all in the one motion I want to know what were his other options in that regard. We looked at it and I asked you, what was his other option at that point? Don't tackle him. Don't tackle him. kind of let him go. Yeah, that was about it. So in in terms of what the game is about, I don't know that you'd want to have a game where you're just letting people kick it just in case my tackle hurts them. Every tackle has the potential to do that basically depends on how the guy falls what he's doing at the time whether the guy with the ball trips or lurches sideways your tackle can take him around the head anything like that as long as the tackle is between the knees and the shoulders which this tackle obviously was i'm not sure what else nick holman could have done and when we're looking at this big picture kind of stuff obviously they want to protect the head they keep talking about oh we have to protect the head but once again they're protecting the head as a result of something that happened. So as a result of someone getting hurt. Had he not hit his head on the ground, are we talking about this? Hang on. So they're, they're desperate to protect the head, mm-hmm. but they haven't forced everyone to wear little helmets yet. No, they haven't. There Caleb Daniel style. Shut up then. Well, how, how will we differentiate who Caleb Daniel is then? He's the cutie pie. He's the little fella <laughs> running around. So my question and my concern, right, is that... I'm old enough to remember, you know, 25 years ago when players were allowed to bump. And as long as you had your your arm tucked in and didn't raise your shoulder, you could make contact with the head. You could bump, and if there was a head contact, incidental contact, it was part of the game. Now, they didn't want people jumping up and elbowing people in the face and crushing their jaw or shattering their cheekbone or whatever, so they kind of said, no, you have to keep your arm tucked in. Then they changed it to you can't leave your feet 
So you can't jump in the air to bump someone. Then they said you can't make contact with the head at all. Then they basically made it so that if you bump someone and you accidentally have a head clash, you get suspended for that as well. Even though that's a complete accident, you don't run around trying to slam your head into someone. Well, normal wow. people don't do that. But some people do. It's called the Glenroy kiss. <laughs> anyway. So if they're so so concerned about head trauma, there are other things in games where head trauma becomes apparent. And guys are allowed to jump up in marking contests and use their knee to fend people off. And I don't know about you, but I, I would much rather make contact with the ground than with someone's flying knee. Yeah. There are people who run with the flight of the ball. And one of the big attractions of our game, and something that always astounds people when they watch it for the first time, is the way the pressure comes from all angles. It's a 360-degree game. So you don't actually know. So the person running with the flight of the ball doesn't know what's coming the other way. There could be someone coming from his left, from his right, head on. And there's a lot to be said for that courage of going for the ball, knowing that anything could hit them. We saw a couple of years ago Jeremy Cameron knock out Harris Andrews in a marking contest. He was going up, saw him come to the last second, put his arm up, hit Harris Andrews right in the jaw and knocked him cold. They gave him six weeks for that. And part of me thinks as the AFL looking at that going, well, if Harris Andrews wasn't running with the flight of the ball, this could have been prevented. So is that the next step? Do they go, righto, we've all but ruled out the bump, we've made tackling unappealing, do we now say, look, if you run with the flight of the ball, you might get a concussion, so we don't want you to do that either. And people would listen to this and go, that's, a, that's ridiculous. I'm guessing 20 years ago, if you told people playing that, hey, if you tackle people and their head hits the ground, you're going to get suspended for a couple of weeks, they would have laughed at the same way and said, that's ridiculous. So it's a different game at the moment. Are we looking at a different game again in 10 years' time? You're kind of thinking, oh, the way it's going, if they're serious about eliminating head trauma, it's going to become flag football. Yeah, just wear some helmets. Wear some helmets, put a box on your head, do something. <laughs> or or you play the game knowing there's inherent risk, as you said, and that you can be as careful as you want, but when you've got 36 players running around a finite area, there is going to be some collisions, and occasionally someone is going to have some head trauma. You have to go in knowing that. How much head trauma have I had in my life? A lot. A lot. A huge amount, actually. There's, you whack your head, I reckon, once a week. You're not even talking about when I, played, when I played sport. No, I don't even think I want to know. I don't know how scrambled you are in there, oh, but it's probably you know. pretty bad. <laughs> Look, it's not going to get any better. Let's put it that way. No. So my hope is that Nick Holman gets off. I... I'm not that hopeful. This guy, the AFL's Jeff Gleason, it says, he's obviously, his job is to get players suspended. He goes in there and argues as to why they should be suspended. That's a terrible job. How does he sleep at night, this guy? Pretty well, yeah, I'm on guessing, his guessing, giant piles of cash. Yeah, I'm guessing he's paid pretty well. But um, interestingly, I'm just reloading the Twitter page at the moment, and it says, This starts off as a terrific tackle. But he succeeds in pinning the right arm of Mr. Duncan. Which is exactly what you want to do, right? Because otherwise he's got two hands free to get rid of the ball. He says there was a second driving action after Duncan kicked. And Holman's duty was not to exacerbate the impact once he knew the kick was effective. 
in the in, in split second that so Holman, this happened. if you have a look at the vision, has his face pinned to the guy's back as he's tackling him. So unless he's using a mirror... Why didn't he see yeah, around him? Exactly. Or through him. <laughs> use, use your x-ray vision, Nick. So, Crane your neck more. Yeah, in that split second where you're trying to drag him down to stop him kicking. That's stupid, isn't so, it? God. Look, if he doesn't get off this, I'll be shocked. Actually, no, I wouldn't. The way it's been going, they want to use people and instances like this as a as an example. As an example of what? As an example that they're don't, serious about concussion. Don't tackle anyone. No, they're serious. Don't think they're joking. They're serious on concussion. Really serious. But if you elbow someone in the head off the ball... And you have one week for that. We'll give you one week. So there's guys doing that over the last couple of weeks who have deliberately gone in and struck someone in the head. And just because the guy hasn't crumpled in a heap on the ground and been stretched off, they're thinking, oh, that's okay. So they're not punishing the act. They're punishing the outcome, which for Mitch Duncan was really, really unfortunate. He got concussed. He got taken off. And he'll have a week off this week because he got concussed. So if he hopped up and played on... We wouldn't be talking about it. Everyone would be talking about what a great tackle it was. So now that I've had my massive whinge, and you concur, which is always nice that you uh, smile along and say, I don't like this. You like a bit of the gladiatorial aspect. Well, look, so do I. And maybe I'm a bit of a troglodyte for doing that. I don't know. But part of the appeal of football is the the gladiatorial aspect of it and i'm not talking about guys running around belly naked tackling each other that is exactly what i'm talking about it's being eaten by lions that's uh, not that part no well yeah could it could add a a, a new dimension of excitement for the afl they might entertain it as long as they don't attack them in the head (laughs) so we might jump to the the upcoming round and get your thoughts given uh my tipping fell off a cliff last week well just all right i think no, I was pretty disappointed. Right, go ahead. Of, uh, opens up, top of the table, Clash. Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne on Friday night. Ooh. And the great thing is it's played at Marvel Stadium, so you're going to get a fast track, no rain, roof on. Excellent game of football coming up. Bulldogs or Demons? The Bulldogs, out of interest, because of our COVID situation, are in lockdown at the moment because one of their staffers went to High Point Shopping Centre. Oh, goodness. So they're all being isolated while they're testing and stuff at the moment. Not the most ideal prep. They've also lost Adam Trelaw for about six weeks with an ankle injury that in the after after game interview, he said, should be right for next week. <laughs> so so Adam's, um, yeah, Adam's medical degree, just a little bit behind the pace. <laughs> I'm going to go with Melbourne. Melbourne's going to win. Melbourne's going to win. They're playing themselves in as the underdog, saying, well, Western Bulldogs, obviously the form team in the competition. Pish posh. Because, the, because Melbourne have lost one game by one point. That was devastating. Well, what a blow. Yep. So, uh, as an aside, midfield championship belt on the line. Who Jack, has it? Jack McRae from Western Bulldogs will be defending against Christian Petrarca and Clayton oh. Oliver. Oh, he's gone. So, first of all, the Demons have to win. Right. If the Demons win, one of those two has to outperform Jack McRae by a significant margin. Jack McRae has not had under 30 touches in a game once this year. Until now. Oh, you think they're going to shut him down? Yeah. I think it, they'd be wise to put James Harms on Marcus Bontempelli 
But for the sake of our championship belt and the title change, I'd love to see him put him on Jack McRae and shut him down. That'd be nice. So much excitement. I have no idea who I'm picking yet. I can't give a tip. Collingwood versus Geelong. Oh. They're playing at the MCG, which is a Collingwood home game. But I reckon... I reckon Geelong would be really keen to see Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins playing together on the MCG. Because I think they've got a few September plans for those two to play some good games together on that ground. You're tipping Geelong, aren't you? I am tipping Geelong heavily. Mm. And you? Undecided as yet. Undecided? You're going to sneak the magpies in there. The Brisbane Lions against the Giants? Played in Brisbane. Brisbane. Brisbane are on a tear. No Toby Green still. And their best young defender, Sam Taylor, is out for six weeks with an ankle injury as well. And he's a guy who missed all last year because he had an illness. Lost something like 10 kilos or something. Just was really knocked about. So feel really sorry for Sam Taylor and hope he recovers really quickly because he was having a ripping season. The Saints and the Kangaroos. Oh, shit. Everybody's just it's, it's a great description shopping. for the Saints. Look, I'm going to go with the Saints. I because think, I truly have no faith in the kangaroos whatsoever. Yeah, look, the kangaroos are three years away from doing anything at the moment. They might land a good free agent. They've got, a plen- they've got plenty of cash. But it's going to take a while for those kids that are coming through to get the necessary games in to start impacting games ongoing. If St Kilda are serious about anything, they should win this. If they lose this, it's it's almost they're curtains. They're the worst team. Oh, yeah, they're close to They've won four games. North Melbourne won one. Yeah, they're the worst. They're the worst now. They're the worst if you're looking if at lose. expectations. Yeah. So, after winning a final last year, you think, amongst the fans anyway, there would have been a strong belief they could make top four. They're looking more like a bottom four team at the moment. So, not great. Speaking of bottom four teams, um, the Suns and the Hawks <laughs> played at Gold Coast. Is he back yet? No, he's about three weeks away. Oh, for God's sake. I know. How bad is this knee injury to Matt Rowell? Why can't he just just play through it? Well, can he at least, like, you know, be out and about with his clipboard and stuff? Really tucking like, your shirt in? Yeah. Looking dapper? Yeah. Can I tell you a secret? What? And then everyone's going to know. Oh. When I was a young fella and I started playing football, you know, late teens, I'd been playing for quite a while, but I was playing late teens, I used to watch people get injured and I'd think, why don't they just get up and run through this? Oh, Jesus. Why don't they just do that? Yeah. And then I did a knee. Yeah. And I got up and went to walk and just felt my knee collapse underneath me. I went, oh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Joy of experience, eh? Yeah, look. Gold Coast should win this one. Yeah, uh, go with Gold Coast. I don't have a lot of faith in Hawthorne's young forwards yet. I think Jacob Kaczynski will be okay. I'm not sure about Mitch Lewis. He looks a little bit too ploddy to me. Oh, God. Just kind of meanders around and... It's got a good pair of hands, but it's being played in the evening in Gold Coast. It's not going to work for Hawthorne's forwards, and I expect the Suns to have a bit of a picnic up there. Eagles versus Bombers. Oh, Eagles are going to win. Easily? Easily. I like the Bombers' run, but I do think the Eagles at home are a different prospect. If they're playing them over here, I may be tempted to tip the Bombers, but West Coast at home, too strong. Tigers and the Crows. Tigers. At the MCG. The scene of the 2017 crime where they won the flag against Tex and his boys. Yeah, Tigers are going to win. They should. This is a ninth against 13. 
no one would have tipped that this would be the, the case at the start of the year, that Richmond would be sitting ninth after 10 rounds of footy, and the Crows would be sitting 13th, which that wasn't an option either. Maybe Tex will do something magnificent. Like? Just... Bend over and stretch in front of the camera, perhaps? <laughs> I didn't say anything about that. <laughs> I'm thinking of covering this game, and look, truthfully, we don't get a heap of Sydney... Uh, readers we just don't i don't know why uh but the ones that do are very 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 responsive um sydney versus carlton played in sydney oh i guess sydney yeah sydney so buddy kicked six last week did he yep almost got him over the line against frio huh. so in really good nick loves playing in western australia he's kicked 14 in his last two games there but now he goes back to the SCG. Sydney sitting sixth. They're, they're having a really good year, considering a lot of people thought they were still a couple of years away. Isaac Heaney plays for Sydney. He sure does. Yeah, all right, I'm going to go with Sydney. I think that mm. Buddy plays really well against Liam Jones, and he's going to need a bit of help from Jacob Wiedering. Carlton, for the, all the talent they have in defence, it doesn't really click. So... Yeah, Sydney for me as well, I think. And Port Adelaide welcomes Fremantle to South Australia. This is the purple team is that's Fremantle. Fremantle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this and is the, the great teal team is Port. Is no, Port. They prefer to be known as the Prison Bars. No, they're teal. So okay, the teal they're going to win teal. Teal, because teal. you like teal? I do. And they have Robbie Gray they and do. they have Charlie Dixon. I thought Robbie Gray was close to best on ground on the weekend. Yep. Kick-started him, kicked three goals in a very, very low-scoring game. And, yeah, he was... He carried that forward line at one point, and he probably shouldn't be doing it at this stage of his career. I but... believe he owns a barbershop. Really? Yeah. How'd you know that? Coins. I know things about players. Is he a hairdresser? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, keep going. That's it. That's it. That's okay. the games. So this is the last round before the buys kick in. Ooh. So the next week only has one, two, three, four, five, six games. Marvellous. Yes, I'm gathering you will, you'll be very happy about that because I won't be as tired. Yeah. Well, I probably will be as tired. Yeah, you will. Yeah. yeah, that's not going to change. So one last check before we uh, finish up. I just want to see whether anything we said about this case... Hmm, hmm, hmm... No, they're still <laughs> deliberating. They're still deliberating on this. So uh, all the best to Nick Holman. I hope he continues to tackle in the manner that he did on the weekend because that is exactly how you should play AFL football. All the best, guys. Talk to you next week.